people, embracing people and having that saying, happy resurrection day, and getting that confirmation coming back from, from one to and from one another, just acknowledging that uh, indeed he is risen. Indeed, because he is risen, we are risen. Indeed, because God lives, we live. Indeed, because our salvation has been won, we are saved. And all of these things reflecting back one to another. And I trust wherever you are, if you're sitting with someone, uh, if you're standing with someone, if you're walking with someone, wherever you are, I just encourage you right now to look one another in the face and just declare, I know you can't hug, I know you can't embrace, but you can declare... It is done. The work is finished and Christ has risen from the dead. He is risen. It is Resurrection Sunday and we rejoice in that truth this morning. It is wonderful. It is glorious. There's all these words we can keep throwing out about just how good our God is and just how great our salvation is. But it's all about the reality that He lives. That we serve a living God, a living Saviour, a Saviour who was raised from the dead, who stayed amongst us for 40 days, who appeared to countless multitudes of witnesses, and he stood upon the Mount of Olives, and he said goodbye to the disciples. He commissioned them, as Steve said, to be on mission, to take the gospel message to the other ends of this world, and then he was received up into heaven. But the words came, as he has gone, so he shall come again. Now glorious it is to know we serve a risen king, yes, a risen king who is coming again. And he will be coming for his church. That's why we're on mission. That's why we're on mission. Because the church is growing and we pray and trust, even as Steve prayed and said this morning, may that church, may his church grow all the more in this day, this resurrection day. So how are you? How's your week been? I trust it's been good. I trust, as Steve said, you've been contacting one another, you've been encouraging one another. Well, this morning is resurrection morning, and you know, I, I, I reflect upon this every every year. I just, I get up in the morning and I think, my, what happened today? What happened today, all those years ago? And I try to picture it in my mind, I try to see the women gathering together to make that journey to the tomb, to finish that work of preparing the body of Christ with no hope of resurrection in their hearts, just this brokenness, just this emptiness, just this question really, what was it all about? What have these last three years been all about? These three years that we've walked with him, we've heard his word, we've seen the power of his hand at work in countless lives, and we had hoped and we had believed. Can you see this in their hearts? We'd hoped and we'd believed that he was the one, but now all that has been dashed, had all been dashed on Calvary's mountain when he died and was laid in that tomb. And all they have now is this body that they are going to prepare. At least that's all they knew. And how wonderful it is to read in the gospel accounts as the women arrived to see that the stone had been rolled away, to see and hear the voice of the angelic visitors saying, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? 
He is risen. And then that commission, that first word of commission, go and tell the disciples, tell the disciples. And we can see the women now not walking towards the tomb with this this forlorn emptiness, but now we can see them running back to where the disciples were, running back with hope in their hearts. And that day began just like that. That's how resurrection morning began. It began with emptiness, but but just burst into life in the hearts of those women. And and what a glorious thing. What an amazing day, resurrection morning. But this morning, I want us to jump to the end of that day. And so if you will with me, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. I want to visit the scene, the scene where the disciples are gathered together at the end of all of that. I'm just going to read to you now from verse 19 of John's Gospel where it says, That same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, and I love this, he said, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, He showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. It almost sounds like an understatement, doesn't it? They were glad when they saw the Lord. But then Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So here we are on this evening of the Sunday that Jesus rose from the dead. And as we've been saying, it was the most remarkable of days. I'm sure after the women... And of course, we read Mary Magdalene went running to Peter and John, and Peter and John came running to the tomb, and they had their experience at the tomb, and Mary Magdalene lingered at the tomb, and of course, Mary Magdalene was the first one to see the resurrected Lord. And no doubt, there must have been multiple trips to the tomb that day. There must have been multiple retellings of the details of what was, in, what was transpiring, not only in what people were seeing and hearing, but what was also going on within their hearts. Yet still, as we open this passage this morning, the disciples themselves, we find them locked behind closed doors, very much afraid, very much unsure of what all this means to them. And we must remember Other than the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, who according to Luke's gospel, had seemingly just walked into this scene or to this scene prior to what we are reading, other than those two and the women, they are the only ones that have seen the resurrected Lord. And here at the end of the day, the disciples are trying to sort out the day's events in their heads. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine the enthusiasm at the same time, the hesitation that must have been grinding away inside of them? They've heard all of the accounts. If he is risen, then this is just too wonderful for us to be able to contemplate. But then again, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us, the disciples, we who 
abandoned him. But if this is all just a story, can you see these things resonating? If this is all just a story and someone indeed has, has stolen the body, then for sure the Jews are coming looking for us as well. Their minds have, must have been racing in a thousand different directions. Do we run? Do we go looking for him? Do we try and find out if this is a plot or even just a trap to get us out in the open? I think they were completely overloaded. And it's into this crazy, confused scene that Jesus appears in the midst of them. Yeah, they're afraid. Yes, they're afraid. But Jesus enters in as we read and his presence brought peace with it. And that's what Jesus does. And, and that's one of the most amazing things about resurrection morning. We rise with a sense of peace in our hearts. That's what Jesus does. He comes into people when they're afraid and he brings peace. We're all faced every single day, especially in these days, with the things or events that have the potential to unsettle our lives and, and, and take the peace from our hearts and to bring tempest at any given moment. It seems that we're all going from, from peace to tempest, from peace to tempest. We've been blown this way and that way. But how wonderful it is when his presence comes into those moments and how wonderful it is to know that our Saviour, this is what we need to know today, Christians, is that our Saviour, he stands before us. And whatever the tempest is that rages in our hearts, he's still saying, and he will always be saying, peace be still. You know what I mean, don't you? Don't you know what I mean? It's those times when we're trying in our own strength and our own abilities to try and sort our troubles out, taking things into our own hands. And when we find ourselves in conflict, it's those times when we are striking out, when we are slandering people who have caused us problems or when we are vengefully striking out at people or when we are simply just cowering fearfully in the corners, we sink into, into despair. Come on, people, we all know these places. We all know these experiences and what Resurrection Morning says to us or what Resurrection Morning challenges us to do is if we would just listen, if we would just listen to hear his voice, if we would realise that he is always there simply to say unto you, peace be still or peace be unto you. And if we would hear that, if we would hear that, this is the thing about the voice of God. If we would listen, if we would know that he is speaking that voice, it just grows. It just grows in volume. It just grows in volume in our hearts. If we would hear that, we would then hear him say, fear not, for I am with you because he is with you, Christian. And if we would keep listening, that voice would grow louder. We would hear it, fear not, for I am with you. We would hear, for I, if we'd hear it say, for I, be not dismayed, for I am your God. And it just rises in strength in our hearts. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And the voice just grows in our hearts. It just grows inside of us. If we would just listen. If we were just here, and what more do we need? Again, what does the book of Romans say? If 
God is for us, who can be against us. But again, we are so prone. We are so prone to fall into fear and discouragement when we think that we are alone. Yes, as it was for them 2,000 years ago, so it is for you and I today. But he draws near to us where no one else can go. Not only near to us physically, but he enters into the very heart of our fears where no one else can go. Where no one else can help and he brings his peace. Remember what he said? We looked at this the other week in John chapter 14, which was just a few days prior to this. When Jesus said to the disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And he said these most wonderful words, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. And so suddenly Jesus was there and having settled their hearts, he then says these words to him. And this is what Steve was talking about when he said we're on mission. This is beyond resurrection. It said in verse 21, as my father has sent me, even so I send you. And verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive unto you or receive ye the Holy Spirit. I love this moment because Jesus not only brings peace with his presence, but he also brings higher purpose. Resurrection morning brings a higher purpose to our lives. As my Father sent me, so also I send you. Jesus sends his disciples on mission, just as the Father had sent him on mission. This is an incredible thought, don't you think? We are sent under the authority of the words of Jesus Christ as his continuing ministry to this world. The resurrection was not the end of Christ's ministry. We have been sent to carry the gospel of God's forgiveness to people everywhere. Now that is an incredible thought. Or are you just happy to think as some do that Jesus was only talking to the disciples? But just in case, and I doubt that that's anyone out there, but just in case we do, let's think back again. Just a few nights to the night when Jesus was arrested, as he with the disciples made his way from the upper room out of the ancient city through those eastern gates down towards into the Kidron Valley and making their way into the Garden of Gethsemane where the arrest would take place. Somewhere along that journey, do you remember Jesus stopped and prayed? John chapter 17. And he prayed this prayer and he said to the Father, he says, As you have sent me into the world, even so I send them. That is referring to the disciples also. And for them, that is the disciples, I, for their sake, I sanctify myself. This is what I have come for, for their sake, 
that they also might be sanctified through the truth, that the truth would set them apart for God's purpose in this world. They're here for a reason. But verse 20 wonderfully says, Neither pray I for these, that is the disciples also, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who? That's us. That's us. And this is the tremendous privilege that resurrection morning brings to every child of God. I'm sure you know there is no greater privilege, no greater honour than to introduce someone to the Saviour, to tell them about Jesus and his wonderful salvation. I know sometimes that feels or seems like a, a fearful thing, but when the final curtain draws on somebody's life and it's okay, it's okay for that curtain to come down. It's okay because they have heard of the Saviour. Not only have they had heard of the Saviour, but they have known the Saviour. They believe the Saviour. They have come into a relationship with him through his forgiveness. It's okay because they are the Lord's. I tell you, there is no greater joy to be found in this life. I mean, you can go and you can slay the dragon. You can save the princess from the castle, but it will not compare people. It will not compare the higher purpose, the highest purpose that the resurrection brings to every single one of us is to carry the king's message, is to go beyond the resurrection and carry the message and think about the disciples. Think about them. That night when they received this purpose, they were so often like we are. So often we feel as they felt that night, they felt that they were failures. They felt they had forsaken him. You think about Peter. He denied the Lord three times, yet Jesus was sending him out to represent him with his message, a message that we will see that Peter saw thousands of people turning to a saving faith in Christ as he faithfully shared the message. We have to realize that Jesus said these words, as my father has sent me, so I send you. When he said those words, realize this, realize everything changes. Everything. Jesus is saying this. He's saying the thing that my life has been all about, it's not finished. It's not done. It's going to continue and it's going to continue through you, through me, through every one of us. As the Father sends me, I am sending you. They were born once into this world, but they were born again for something far greater than simply living life as usual. Think about it. The King the creator of the entire universe, left his eternal glory and he entered, entered sorry, into the realm of mortal man and he sought the lost. He's done everything necessary that mankind might be saved, that we might be restored to a right relationship with God. He lived, he walked amongst us, he died in our place. And now that king, the creator is saying, I'm sending you because I'm not finished yet. I'm sending you because the job isn't done yet. 
The purposes of Jesus is still to save the lost. It's still happening. And he said, it's not only still happening, but it's happening as I send you. He is sending us, even as the Father sent him. How glorious that is. How did the Father send him? Well, Jesus stood in the synagogue of Nazareth. And he took up the scriptures He took up the words of the prophet Isaiah. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He said in Mark's gospel, he didn't come to be served, but rather to serve. John will later say that he came as the light of the world to lead people out of darkness. Now, we most certainly can have nothing to do or no role to play in God's redemptive work through Jesus Christ. That is absolutely true. But we are sent as representatives. We've been sent to announce as I love what Paul said to Timothy. Let me just read this to you. This, this is what, this is it. It says, this is a faithful saying. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came in the, into the world to save sinners. That's the mission. So with all that we are, all that we are, This mouth, this mind, this heart, these hands, this feet, this strength that God has given me, we are sent as the Father sent Jesus to preach the gospel to the poor. What did he say? To the mourning, to the orphan, to the broken, to the lonely. To proclaim that the Father sent Jesus the Son to save. Let me read to you what he said. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, if our gospel is hid, see, I, I read that and just that word just scares me. If our gospel is hid, it is hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is still seeking the poor. He's still seeking the mourning. He's still seeking the orphans. He's still seeking the broken. He's still seeking the lonely. But now through the Holy Spirit, he's calling us to be a part of it. It says in Luke's gospel, in the 24th chapter, in the 46th verse, it says, it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. And to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name amongst all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses 
of these things. We are sent. We are sent as he was sent. Someone wrote these somewhat convicting words. They said, he lived where he could see human pain. He lived where he could see human sin. Humans swearing. Humans blaspheming. He lived where he could see human disease and other human mortality, poverty and squalor. His mission was fully incarnational because he taught men by coming alongside of them, by becoming one of them, by sharing their environment and their problems. You know what, this quote, yeah, yeah it's convicting, but this quote is asking the question of all believers. How can we be sent if we won't go to the ones that we are sent to? Remember, we are saved to be a part of what God is doing in this world. To be a part of something that brings light to darkness, that is giving life over death, that is, that is bringing evil, or sorry, that is bringing goodness to, to defeat evil. We are called to do truly important things, believers. You know, because we sometimes think that the greatest thing that we will do is to go and earn a living and to make do for this life. And, and that is good and that is essential. But we're saved for so much more. The resurrection happened for so much more. For God has called us to do things far beyond that. He's called us to do things that are God-sized. Things that he is doing in this world. You know, it might be on the other side of the globe. It might be over the fence. It might be in your own home. It might be, as Steve said this morning, on the other end of the phone. But we need to be reminded... Again, the Apostle Paul said it. We need to be reminded that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should what? That we should walk in them. So resurrection morning brings peace. It brings peace. It brings purpose. But how wonderful it is that it also brings power to do that which we know we can't do in and of ourselves. So here it is again. He appears to the disciples. He brings peace into their presence. And he says, as my father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said these things, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, was this what some scholars simply call propoleptic? In other words, is this something that is merely representative of something still future? Was Jesus carrying out a symbolic act to remind them of the empowering of the Holy Spirit that was to come upon them on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts in the second chapter? Is this something that is looking forward to that? So he was saying, hey, you are sent, but you can't go just yet. Or is this literal? Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. 
I put those two polar opposite positions out there, but I don't argue them anymore. I don't argue about those things anymore. Because what I read here this morning on resurrection morning is that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He appeared on that first day saying to the disciples, saying to the disciples who were locked behind doors, who were very much afraid, who were very much unsure what was going on. Don't you see yourself in that? Don't you see life before Christ in that? He appears to men like that. He sees their troubled hearts and he sees in bringing his presence unto them that he can bring assuring peace to their lives and he gives them purpose and he sends them out in his power to fulfill his continuing mission, that which is beyond the resurrection. And in that, that's all that matters for me. I don't want to argue those things. That's all that matters to me because I was once lost. I was once lost. I was once fearful. I once didn't know what this was all about. I didn't know what was going on in my life. But now I'm found. Now I've found salvation in Christ. I've met the resurrected Lord. I have purpose in my life. And I know, I know I need the Holy Spirit to empower me for life's purposes. Because I can't do it myself. But he's called me to something that is so incredible. He's called you to something so beyond yourselves. He's called you something to something that is God-sized. And he won't abandon you to your own methods and to your own strength. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And he says this, which I believe is this higher purpose. He appears. He brings his peace. He sends them. He brings his power. And then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are still retained. This is that purpose, brothers and sisters. This is what beyond resurrection is all about. Does it mean that Jesus is giving his disciples the power of God to forgive sins? Is that, is that what this purpose is? Of course it's not. Of course it's not. You know, I love the heart of David. In Psalm 51, David cries out and he says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. He said, Blot out my transgressions and hide this sin from my sight, for against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this great iniquity in thy sight. Against thee, O God, have I sinned. You see, sin is against God, and God is the only one who can forgive sin. But we, as Jesus' disciples, who are sent in his name, we are given the dual responsibility here and it is the dual duty and it is the dual purpose and it is to proclaim forgiveness to the repentant believer and at the same time to warn the unbeliever if they reject it that they are in danger of forfeiting the mercy of God. We don't create forgiveness. We don't deny it. But we announce it according to God's word. 
Look, isn't it an incredible joy? Isn't it a wonderful privilege to look in the face of someone who has heard the gospel, has heard the words of salvation from your lips, and to hear them turn to Christ, to cry out him for forgiveness? And there's the wonderful thing to be able to turn to them and say, God has nothing against you. You are completely forgiven. The slate has been clean. And we can say this according to the word of God. Your sins are forgiven you. But with that wonderful privilege, there's also this duty to warn people. If someone says, I don't need this Jesus Christ. If someone says, sin is not my problem. If someone says, I don't want to have anything to do with this. To that person, we are dutifully called to give the warning. To be able to say with absolute confidence to people, if you die in this state, one day, one day, if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have to stand before God and you're going to have to give an answer for your sins yourself and your sins are going to condemn you. You will still be in your sin. Can you imagine if we didn't have this authority? What else have we got to offer? What else have we got to offer? We can confirm the work of God in someone's heart and we can confirm the reality of the rejecting heart. And if we didn't have that, what else have we got to offer? Are we going to look people in the face and say, oh, well, you'll find out one day. That's tragedy, isn't it? This is what beyond resurrection means. It means we've been given peace. It means you and I are sent means we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to go in Jesus' name. And we've been sent to continue the work of Christ in this world until he comes. That's now. That's from this day forward. As I said to you, if this is true in your hearts, life will never be the same. I keep hearing people on the news say, is this now what life or what ordinary is? Talking about the way the world is now, concerned that how things have changed, it's going to be all the time. Well, for the child of God, no, it will never be ordinary again. With the power of God's spirit in your heart, his presence with you, walking in this world, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, to see the lost come to a saving grace, to be able to look them in the face and say, God accepts you. To say, as God is with me, he'll be with you and he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But at the same time, to be able to warn those, life will never be the same, Christian. We have glorious purpose beyond the resurrection. Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, we rejoice this morning. Lord, in our mind, we walk with the women. We see the tomb. We see the empty tomb. With our hearts, we, we, we run with newness of life. 
Oh, we're running this way and that way with hope in our hearts. With the voice of God to speak comfort. With the purpose of God to, to deliver truth. Oh, what a glorious thing it is to be your child. Father, we thank you so much for the resurrection. We thank you for the purpose of life. And I just pray for our family today. Lord, that you would lift our hearts, that your peace would be so ever-present, that we would know that we're never alone, that, Father, we would go forward each and every day as you have sent us to take this truth beyond the resurrection into people's lives, Father. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heavenly Father. God bless you.